now if you have your Bible or New Testament with you. You will find a reading in John's Gospel, chapter 1, verses 35 to 42. I have a reading each week from the authorized version and preaching from it. And John 1 and verse 35. Again the next day after John stood and two of his disciples and looking upon Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned and saw them following and saith unto them, What seek ye? They said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, being interpreted, Master, where dwellest thou? He saith unto them, Come and see. They came and saw where he dwelt, and abode with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two which heard John speak, and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, he first findeth his own brother Simon, and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. And when Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah. Thou shalt be called Cephas, which is by interpretation a stone. And then over to 1 Peter, chapter 1. And the first few words of the first verse. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. I want this morning to commence a series of talks on the first epistle of Peter. And I want by way of introduction to the talks speak this morning about lessons to be learned from the man who wrote the epistle, namely the Apostle Peter. Peter brought to Christ by his brother Andrew, a converted fisherman, a disciple, an apostle, a preacher of the gospel, and a writer of two letters which bear his name. And I trust that in succeeding weeks, we'll discover more about the first letter which he penned. But this week, lessons from the life of the penman, Peter. And there are four very simple lessons we are going to look at this morning. 
Lessons that God would have each one of us, no matter how young, no matter how old we are, no matter whether we're saved or not, lessons God would have us to learn. And the first lesson is this, as we look at the life of Peter, we can never estimate the value of a person brought to Christ. Now, when Andrew met Christ, he then first sought his brother Peter and brought Peter to Christ. And as he introduced Peter to the Savior, and Peter received Christ, and Christ received him, Andrew, as he looked at his brother, never visualized what Christ was going to do for and with and through his brother Peter. Not for one moment did Andrew think when he brought that rough brother of his, that uncouth brother of his, that rugged big fisherman brother of his to Christ, he didn't visualize for one moment Pentecost and what followed. He never visualized his brother standing up and preaching. And according to Acts 2 verse 41, 3,000 people getting saved at the end of the sermon. He never visualized what would happen according to Acts 4 verse 4, how that after his brother had preached, 5,000 people got saved. He never visualized what God would do for, with, and through his brother. We can never estimate the value of a soul or a person, one for Christ. In the city of Bedford, a few centuries ago, Three poor women were sitting in the sunshine and high street of that town. A man was walking by as they talked. They weren't gossiping about their neighbors. They weren't criticizing anyone. And what they said caught his attention. And he listened because they spoke about the new birth. They spoke about their fallen condition and in sin. Yet they spoke about God's love and mercy in Christ that had reached down and redeemed them. And how they were free from judgment. And that God in mercy had brought them to Christ. And the man listened. And then he walked on. But that was the beginning of the end of the rebellion in that man's heart against God. For the man was John Bunyan. And John Bunyan came to know Christ. And John Bunyan took up his pen in prison. And he wrote Pilgrim's Progress. 
and thousands, yea, millions have been blessed through that book. Those dear women, as they talked about the things of God, when no doubt they would hear of Bunyan's conversion, never visualized what God would do for him and with him and through him. Edward Kimball, a Sunday school teacher in a congregational church in Massachusetts in America, was so concerned about one of his boys in the Sunday school that one day he went into the shop where this lad worked, right to the back of the store where the teenager was working with shoes. And Edward Kimball put his arm around the young man's shoulder and told them of the love of Christ for him. And spoke to the young man about the love that Christ wanted in return. And that young man in that store knelt down and trusted Christ. When Edward Kimball spoke to that young man, he never visualized what God would do with him. How that God would use him mightily in the salvation of thousands of souls because that young man was D.L. Moody. The unknown preacher who stood one day in a little primitive Methodist church in a town called Colchester in England, standing and preaching because the regular minister wasn't able to attend because of the snow outside. And as he preached, he looked at a young man and invited that young man to look away from himself to the Savior for salvation. And the young man did. And that young man became known as the Prince of Preachers, see it Spurgeon. When we lead someone to Christ, we can never visualize, we can never fully estimate what God will do with the life. It's the same with every Sunday school teacher here today. Every youth worker, everyone engaged in the work of God in this place are those who have gone out from this place to serve God. No one visualized when they were led to Christ the work that God would call them to do. We can often watch the beginning of a soul coming to Christ. We can never visualize or estimate the finish of that work. So the first lesson we learn from the life of Peter is we can never estimate the value of a person or a soul brought to Christ. The second lesson we learn is this, we should never underestimate the power of the devil. When Andrew brought Peter to Christ, what a wonderful death was. And yet, Alongside those two brothers, 
who were talking to Christ stood another one called Satan, an enemy of the souls of men. And from the moment Peter trusted Christ, the devil plotted his downfall. And Andrew never visualized that one day his brother Peter, whom he had brought to Christ, would curse and swear and deny his Lord. Andrew never visualized what the devil would do in order to cause Peter to fall. And Peter never thought for one moment when he came to Christ that one day he would let the Savior die. And that's why Peter, when he's writing in his first epistle and speaking about the devil, he likens him to a roaring lion, one who is ever on the prowl to destroy the testimony and testimonies of God's people. And how often he succeeds. And I think of one fellow, very bright for God. Remember him singing one night at a meeting that I was at. The next day to hear that his voice was silenced. Do you know why? Because he'd been carrying on an affair with a woman who certainly wasn't his wife. The devil took him out of the work. Another man very active for God. And he became so engrossed in business. So wrapped up in the things of this life. His preaching ability is being wasted. The devil has sidetracked him. I think of another couple. A godly couple who met with much opposition when they were saved. And in the early part of their marriage, they had it very difficult. And then things seemed to go so well for them, and they prospered materially. The difficult times were past. And what the devil failed to do through persecution, he did through ease. And today, they're far away from God. I wonder, when we came to Christ, did we ever visualize that one day the devil would overtake us and destroy our testimony? And maybe there's someone in this church this morning there was a time you were bright for God. And yet today you're useless. 
because the devil has sidetracked you. Backslider in church this morning. You're letting Christ down. Oh, it's time you got back to your first love. Christian, never underestimate the power of the devil. The devil's after you to destroy your testimony. And when I hear people talking lightly about the devil, and they would call him old Nick, and they would call him these names, I'm telling you, we ought to be very careful. For even Michael the archangel said, The Lord rebuke thee, speaking to the devil. And we are no match for him in ourselves. Child of God, if you find yourself at this moment slipping, attacked by the enemy in your giving ground, turn your eyes afresh upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. The third lesson we learn is this. We can never overestimate the influence of our lives over others. If Andrew, when he brought his brother Peter to Christ, never visualized how God would use Peter to bring thousands to the Savior, he certainly never visualized the power of Peter's persuasion over others in the Christian life. For in John 21, verse 3, Peter standing talking to other disciples. Christ has been crucified. God has raised him, but Peter's out of touch. And he says to the other disciples, I go a fishing. I'm going back to what I left before I decided to follow Christ. And we read that six others went with him. And Christ had to come and rebuke Peter and bring him back to himself. Oh, the influence he exercised over others. And it wasn't for good at that time. And no person, especially a child of God, lives unto himself. We are an example for good or evil. And it is said of C.H. Spurgeon, whom you have already referred to, the Prince of Preachers, how that from time to time he went on holiday to a place called Mentone in the south of France. And there was a casino there, a gambling den. There were beautiful grounds outside the casino. And C.H. Spurgeon used to go and sit in the grounds of the casino. And one day the manager, the owner, in fact, came to see at Spurgeon and thanked him for coming into the grounds of the casino. And see at Spurgeon says, Why thank me? You're getting no custom from me. Ah, Mr. Spurgeon, people see you sitting in the gardens. They come in and then they turn their thoughts to the casino. And we get many coming into the casino. And Spurgeon looked at him 
And then he walked out, and as he walked out, he said, I'll never sit in these gardens again. Yet there was a family came to live in this particular little town. They did their shopping in a little corner shop. And after about a year, the father of that home went along to the local minister and said to him, I understand that the man that owns that shop attends your church. That's right. Well, he said, I've been going in for a year. And there's something about the man. He's got something that I haven't got. The way he looks, the way he talks, the way he acts. There's something different about him. What is it? I want it. And the minister said, that man is Christ. And he lives like Christ. He walks like Christ. He talks like Christ. And the man says, I want what he has. And the minister had the joy of leading that man to Christ. Oh, the power of example. Child of God. And even on saved people in the church this morning, what did your example and mine do during the week? Did our examples help someone to heaven or hell? Were we a stumbling block by things we said, the things we did, the places we went? The attitude we adopted to others, were we a stumbling block? And people today are saying, what a bad example. Or is someone quietly this morning find God, thanking God because that through the influence an example we have sought to exercise, they have come to Christ. What kind of example are we giving to others? The first lesson, we can never estimate the value of a person brought to Christ. The second lesson, we should never underestimate the power of the devil. The third lesson, we can never overestimate the influence of our lives and others. And then fourthly and finally, we should never imitate a person's mistake as an excuse to sin. When Andrew watched his brother Peter denying his Lord with oaths and curses, Andrew didn't stop back and look at him and sit back and look at him and say, Ah, oh, Peter did it. Sure, I could do it. For I'm sure the Lord will forgive my brother. If he forgives my brother, he'll forgive me. Ah, oh, no. As Andrew looked at his brother's mistakes, he must have wept. And I'm sure Andrew said, Lord, keep me from doing that. And yet how many of God's people today. And they look at Peter. And they say, well, if God can forgive Peter for what he did, and if God can use Peter mightily 
after he came back, surely. I can play around with sin and the things of the world, and then I'll come back to him, and he'll take me up again and use me. Dangerous thinking. Peter was not left as an example for us to sin, but for to avoid sinning. For if Peter was used so mightily of God after his fall and restoration, how much more God could have used him if Peter hadn't fallen and denied the Lord? Because one thing we overlook, that although God used Peter and blessed him in preaching and thousands were saved, I wonder how many people didn't come to Christ because of what Peter did. I wonder how many people stood and listened to Peter and said, sure, that fellow denied the Lord. That fellow's a hypocrite. I wonder how many people didn't come to Christ because of what Peter did. Oh, you and I cannot use others' mistakes as an excuse for our sins. John and his epistle tells us in chapter 2 verse 1, little children I write unto you that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. We are called the holiness of life. We are not called to play around with sin. Romans 6 verse 14. Sin shall not have dominion over you. Wherein lies the secret. The secret lies in a daily walk with Christ. A life under the daily control of the Spirit of God. A life that's always appreciative of what God has done, what God is doing, what God will yet do. And if you and I day by day take time to look at Christ and his word, take time to pray, to be conformed to his image, then in spite of all what the enemy tries, he'll fail. Because we'll be more than conquerors through him that loved us. Let us pray. <clears throat> Perhaps there is a backslider here this morning. Why not look at your life afresh? And why not turn back to the Savior again? Perhaps they're a Christian under attack or under trial. I'll reach out the hand again and ask the Savior to help you. Let every child of God pray for strength to go on. And sure to be an unsaved person. Far away from the Savior. We trust that you today will come to find in Christ 
one who can save and one who can satisfy. Our Father, we pray that Thou will write deeply in all our hearts the lessons that were written aforetime for our learning, for Christ's sake. Amen.